0: Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeople's.com or download our free All People's Church app. All right, good morning church. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hey, so this morning, we're continuing our Match Made in Heaven series, and I'm preaching alone, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to give the guys a little coaching, and I know sometimes it's hard when you see a lovely woman, you don't know how to begin the conversation. Where do we start? So I found some, some great helpful hints this morning. I'm going to show you some memes, guys, that are totally church-approved to help you. So let's start with the first one. Here's the first one. Hey, girl. I heard Jesus called you. Mind if I do the same? Okay, it just gets better, okay? All right. I like my girls like I like my Microsoft Word documents. Saved. All right, let's give the next one. I really like this one. Hey, girl, want to keep holding hands after the prayer circle's over? Oh, get that extra little special squeeze. All right. Girl, you're breaking Old Testament law because you're working it on the Sabbath. (laughs) All right, one more. I I think we got one more. Do we have one more? Okay. Hey, girl, am I on the road to Damascus because your beauty is blinding? (laughs) Woo! All right, guaranteed. I don't know what they're guaranteed for. The title of my sermon today is Don't Be Ruthless. Don't be ruthless. And I've realized that one of the reasons that I've been equipped to have success in relationships and engagement and marriage is because I've never been ruthless. And it might mean a little different than you're thinking because my mother's name is Ruth, and she so happens to be sitting on the front row right here. <laughs> Wave, mom. And uh, and here's what I found, church: is that we need a model for godly relationships. And so, by never being ruthless, what I mean is, I've always had an amazing model for relationships. Let me just take you back to to last year. I was sitting at my parents' dining room table for my dad's retirement party. He worked 50 years at the same company. Was it 50 or 49? He's not sure. That's a long time, folks. And uh, so we're sitting there, and my mother looks at him, and she gives a speech. She goes, you know, Bob, I'm the one who asked you to retire, and the reason is I just can't get enough of you. She goes, I just want to spend more time with you. She said, I know there's not a lot of people after 50 years of marriage that would be saying this, but that's my heart's desire. And I thought, wow, it was a weeper. And my, my, my mother's a great storyteller. And you see, I grew up hearing these stories about my parents meeting in sixth grade and about them becoming high school sweethearts. And in fact, my mother followed my dad off out of state to go to a, a different college where he played football. I heard the most amazing stories of, of dad being willing, when my mom would get homesick and want to go home and see her parents, he'd get in the car on a Friday and drive her 12 hours home just to have dinner with her parents, and they'd turn around and drive back. You see, they had they this beautiful relationship And that impacted me so deeply. I was talking to a a wonderful friend this past week who's been in marriage counseling, and he told me about this acronym that he learned. I asked him permission to share this. He told me about an acronym that he learned about how husbands and wives should, should treat each other and the, the, the acronym was attune and it was like give affection and turn your attention and, and he went through each letter and as he was going through that, the first thought I, I had was I saw each one of those in my parents' relationship. You know, it was interesting because he went on to say, you know what I saw in my parents' relationship? He said my dad would come home after a day of work, he'd go straight to his recliner, turn on the TV and demand my mom bring his dinner. And you know what I thought, it broke my heart to hear that, and the amazing thing is, is that he's working on that relationship and taking leaps and bounds, and you see so many of us when we come and talk about relationships, we didn't have a, a good picture or portrait in our families of origin. In fact, I find most people don't, but the amazing thing is when you stepped into the household of God, that he gives you a model for healthy relationships, and that model is in this book. And today we're gonna to be unpacking the book of Ruth, which is an incredible template for how to have godly male female relationships. So I hope you strap on your seatbelts, open your Bibles, and get ready to take a lot of notes because we're gonna dive deep. Because God wants to give you a model for health in relationships. So, you guys ready to learn? Let's pray, Father, open our eyes to the truth of your word. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in everything that we've seen wrong. Now wash it clean and make right in Jesus' name. So let's start in Ruth chapter 1. We're going to fly through this book. Be ready to take a lot of notes. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. This was a Jewish family. They go to a foreign country, the country of Moab. The man's name was uh, Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of the two sons were Mahlon and Kilon. They were Epaphrites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left there with her two sons. They married Moabite women. This is not Jewish women. This is not the people of God, quote, unquote. One named Orpah, that's not Oprah, by the way, and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And so what we immediately see is that Ruth is living in adverse circumstances. She has a broken life, and so my first point today is this, a broken life doesn't have to lead to a broken relationship. A broken life doesn't have to lead to a broken relationship. Here is what I find is we have these self-fulfilling prophecies that we speak of ourselves that we say, I come from a line of broken relationships, and so I'm just destined For brokenness. I'm just destined for divorce. I was praying for a young man the other day who was dealing with some struggles. And and he said, You know, I just have always believed that I'm gonna commit adultery because my grandfather committed adultery, and that's been my dad's struggle, and now that's mine. Can I just tell you when you step into the family of God, his mercies are new every morning, and he rewrites your past, and there's hope for a bright future in him because of the blood of Jesus. And that's what we're going to learn in the book of Ruth. I love what I saw. The first wedding we did down in all people's Tijuana was of a woman who came into the church and in life group ended up confessing, I'm a prostitute. And they say, you know what? You're accepted here. You're loved here. She gave her life to Jesus, she started being discipled, and in the church she fell in love, and the first wedding was this woman coming out of prostitution with a young physician. Beautiful couple, living for Jesus, hosting a life group. Come on, your past might be broken, but God wants to give you a bright future. Now watch this, we're going to jump back in, verse 12, it says this, return home My daughters, I'm too old. This is Naomi speaking to Orpah and Ruth. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? No, that's weird. Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Well, it hadn't turned against her, but that's what she thought. And sometimes we think that when everything's going wrong, but we're not right. Verse 14, at this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back, for where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Here's my second point today. God is looking for women of loyalty, God is looking for women of loyalty. Woman, you want to have a godly relationship. Start by being loyal to those around you. In fact, let me see it this way. Women, instead of always looking around you for what guy might be on the horizon, look to the needs of the people God's already put around you. You want a man to be loyal to you? Start sowing loyalty today. You start giving yourself to the family God's given you. You start serving the friends that are around you. You start sowing loyalty. You know, this is what I I saw in my wife, Stephanie, is that she was a loyal woman determined to serve those around her. Steph was living with our pastor's family of the college group we were in. And I remember one of the first things I noticed about Steph is how she'd serve their family. We were coming back on this long drive from a mission trip. Back then, we were in Central Texas. We'd drive to Mexico, 12-hour drive. I watched her through the whole night hold one of the family's children on her lap, totally uncomfortable, and I just thought, wow, that is a loving, serving woman, that got my attention. Women, you, you want a man to be loyal to you, start sowing loyalty around you. Let's keep going. Chapter two, we move on. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. I want to just focus in on that verse. Let me go to the fields and pick up leftover grain. God will bless a woman of hard work. God will bless a woman of hard work. Don't worry, women. I'm going to get to the men in a minute. It's going to be a lot harder on them than you. Verse seven says this. She said, please let me go glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now except for a short rest in the shelter. This is a hard-working woman. Woman, can I just tell you, women, that oftentimes ladies think, you know, my, my highest calling is, is to be married. My highest calling is to be a, a wife. My highest calling is to be in a relationship. Can I just tell you, That the majority of women won't enter into a relationship until they're 25, 26, somewhere right about there. And then women, because you're so healthy, you usually outlive us. And so the first 25 years, you're not married. And then a lot of times the last years, you're not married. So if your marriage is everything, how can you please God? Well, the Bible says that God has actually given you a calling that's not just to be a wife, but it's to serve him with all your heart. Can I just tell you, women, that, that is your calling, is to serve the Lord with all your heart. And of course I'm not minimizing the, the high calling of being in a relationship and being a wife, but can I just tell you that when you're not that, Give your heart to working as unto the Lord. And even in your marriage, don't just think it's all just about this. No, live your life as a life of worship before Jesus. This is what Colossians 3 says. It says this, whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart for the Lord and not men. You know, Ruth could have chosen self-pity. She could have chosen apathy. She could have chosen gossip. But what she did was a model to the women of God, which is go, put your hand to the plow and serve with all your heart. All right, men, here we go, about to get you. Verse four, just then Boaz, write down Boaz, not Bozo, just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord bless you, the Lord, he says, the Lord be with you, the Lord bless you, they answered. I love this about Boaz. Think about this, guys. Uh, Anybody in construction in here? Who's in construction? Look at all these manly men in construction. Okay, guys, when you go up to the work site, is this the normal thing you hear? The foreman walks up, the Lord bless you. And then all the construction workers go, and the Lord be with you. Right? I mean, Is that, how about you Navy guys that work on ships? Is that what you're hearing? The Lord bless you. No, blessing means something different. When you bless someone, it probably means something different on your Navy ship, right? But here's what Boaz is doing he's a man's man, but he has created a culture of honor. Right? You, you, guys, you know being with the rough and tumble men. what What's it sound like, man? It's a bunch of expletives. Men are talking about their exploits with women. They're talking about their, their uh, drinking. They're talking about their party endeavors. But what does Boaz do? He goes to all these men's men out in the field. They're like, the Lord bless you. Well, bless you, brother. That's awesome. Okay? God is looking for a man of honor. And you should be too, women. God, you want a man of, uh, to honor you, then look for a man who creates a culture of honor everywhere he goes. Right? You're like, I can't believe my husband's not nice to me. Well, then why did you go with a man who was always dropping the whatever bomb everywhere he went? Right? But, but then you think he's going to be like a little, you know, tender cat lover with you. That's crazy. Right? So, men, how, how do we sow honor? How do, we, how do we so honor with our wives? Some, some of you, I, I had a great model with, with this of with my dad. I, I would look at my dad. My, my dad would be driving in the car. I'd be in the back seat, and my dad would look over and just smile at my mom and reach out his hand and just hold her hand. Just look at her in the eyes. He, he, I, I, one time I asked dad, I was like, dad, why don't you call mom like honey or baby? Which I think is a great thing to say. He goes, because Ruthie's the most beautiful sound in the earth to me. Wow, hey, I'm expecting a great dinner out tonight, mom and dad, (laughs) I'm making you look real good. (laughs) Here's a few phrases, men, you look great today, sweetheart, how about this, you smell great, right, right, okay, (laughs) you're amazing, great job on dinner, wow, you're a great mom, I mean, this, just simple things like that. Men, when your woman walks in the room, just acknowledge her presence, right? Let, let, look at her eyes, right, and, and stand up and, and pull out the chair. Women want to be in a culture of honor. And men, we want honor, right? Ephesians 5, it says like, we want honor. That's our greatest need, but you want honor, then so honor. Why'd you say that so loud, Steph? All right, <laughs> Verse 8, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and, and follow along after women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars from the men that have filled. Here, here's the next point. A godly man will protect and provide. A godly man will protect and provide. Women, If you're, where are the singles in here? Oh, the ladies. Come on, give me a little. All right. Ladies, look for a man who's not only after his own interests. Don't just look to a man who's always into his video games and into his little activities. Look for a man who serves. Look for a man who serves because that's the kind of man who's going to provide for you. Don't think he's going to lay down his life for you if he's never laid down his life for anyone else. Uh-oh. Right? So, so here, here Boaz is saying, hey, stay here. I'm going to protect you. And, and watch this. Now, now we're really going to start preaching here. He goes, I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Wow. Not to lay a hand on you. A man of God's not going to lay a hand on you until it's the proper time. Some girls say, well, he, he really loves me because he wants to touch me. He can't keep his hands off me. Can I just tell you, that doesn't mean love. That means lust. And, and a man of God will actually protect your purity because he wants best for you, not what's just best for him. You know, if it was all about love, why is there such a thing as pornography and prostitution? Right? Women, don't be duped to think because a guy wants to touch you that he's in love with you. Right, don't don't be foolish. Men, and you really want to show a girl you love her? Then don't lay hands on her until the right time, and that time is when there's a ring on her finger. After you said, I do. Right, that's what a a man of God does. Let me just give you some statistics that are gonna really help you because this debunks the, the thoughts in our society that we need to live together first, that we need to sleep together first, we gotta try things out first. Let me give you a few statistics. Number one, Men and women whose only sexual partner was their spouse reported higher marital quality than those who had sex with other partners prior to marriage. You want to have a good marriage and stay out of bed before marriage. You want to have a great marriage, don't sleep with your, your relationship before. That's actually against the Bible, by the way, it's not just a statistic. Number two, the vast majority of couples who waited until marriage to have sex report having greater sexual satisfaction than those who did not wait. You see, you honor God, God's gonna honor you. You bless God with the way you live your sexual life, he's gonna bless you. Number three, University of Chicago National Survey on Sex, hopefully none of you read it, but I'm gonna give you a little part of it. It was married? conservative, evangelical, protestant women who reported the most satisfying sex. If I had a mic, I'd drop it. That's all. And you're saying, who is that? That's you, women in this room. You're gonna have the best sex. Hallie, close your ears. That's my daughter on the front row. Good night, this is church. Genesis 2.11, moving right on. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with people who did not, you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge God will reward your sacrificial lifestyle. You're not going to have a great relationship by plotting, by conniving, by manipulating. You know how God's going to honor you with a great relationship is when you sacrifice your life for others. When you sacrifice your life for his kingdom. You know, being a part for the last 20 years of a movement of missionaries, a movement of people that are running to crises to do social work, a movement of church planters. Here's what I've seen. When people seek the kingdom of God first, then all the other things are added to them. And so I've seen these crazy things like Dana Curry, who's going to be one of our World Mandate West speakers. She was the one that was imprisoned by the Taliban. She goes, moves to Afghanistan, right? Where She goes as a single woman, basically laying down, you know, like, how am I ever going to find a a husband? I definitely don't want to end up with, like, a Taliban warrior. And she ends up in Afghanistan, then ends up in prison, and it's in prison that Mark, my mentor, falls in love with her, starts praying for her every day, all of a sudden miraculously gets out of prison, and he's there to ask her out. (laughs) And they have the most amazing marriage. Right? God can do anything. God will find you. He has your number. He can find you anywhere. So get after his business and he will bless you. Right? He rewards sacrifice. Verse 13. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my lord, she said. As Ruth talking to Boaz, you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. Though I did not have a standing of one of your servants, At mealtime, Boaz came over to her and said, Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Can I just tell you, men of God don't play games? Men of God don't play games. Instead, they focus on kindness and clarity. You know, there's so, you, you watch TV, you watch the movies, and relationships are so confusing. Right, the men, you know, and the women—they're acting all weird to each other, and they're fighting each other, and 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 there's all this friction. And the next thing you know, they're like holding each other, kissing, and it makes for an entertaining movie, but makes for a totally confusing relationship if that's what you're modeling after. And that's not the biblical model. The biblical model is a man being kind to a woman and taking her to dinner. Right? That's what Boaz did, right? Look look at that. He says, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. Guys, here, here, this is a great thing to write down. Guys, be clear, and buy a woman a meal. Okay, I, I, I get so tired. I, I meet people I meet people all the time that I, I meet a guy and a girl, and they come up to me, and I'm like, are you guys dating? And they're like, oh, um, uh, the uh, but they've been hanging out for a year, and I'm like, guy, get up some nerve and be clear, yeah. and, and, and take her. I, I, I'm so blessed when people buy me dinner. Like a friend buys me dinner. Guys, you want to bless a girl? Buy her dinner. Just ask her out for crying out loud. It's not a ring. It's not a, a lifelong commitment. Just ask her out, please. Okay? You hear all the girls clapping right now? are going to have some happy girls in this church. There are going to be twice as many girls next week in this church. That's the church where they ask them out. And the guys pay. That's awesome. She's worth it. Now watch this, moving to chapter three. I told you we're moving fast, we're going deep in scripture. It says this, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you've worked as a relative of ours, tonight he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor, okay? What we need is... A model, And like I've said, many people didn't have parents like Bob and Ruthie Herbert. But can I tell you, if you're in the church of Jesus, in this room, there are so many great models of relationships. You need a Naomi in your life. You need someone to give counsel. I had Pastor Jimmy in my life. I remember going to him and asking his advice on if I should date Stephanie. He goes, he says this to me. He goes, uh, you don't have to date her, but she's going to make someone a really great wife. Well, what do you think I thought after he said that? Right? I'm like, okay, well, I'm not an idiot, you know? But, but why did I have so much confidence in, in asking out Steph? And why, why wouldn't I like, gosh, should I ask her out? Should I not? No, because I had a mentor saying, hey, no, I've seen this woman. She's an amazing woman. And, and then I remember I was out in a public setting. I was with Steph, and I said something so stupid. And I remember the next week Jimmy looking at me and going, bro, that was so stupid. And so you know what I did? I went back and repented, and and by God's grace, we did our relationship right. I can stand before you and say we did our relationship right, but it's because I had a mentor walking me through it. Okay, and you know one of the things he said to me is you need to do your relationship as though you're gonna preach on it. (laughs) I was like, okay, no big deal right No. can I just tell you that's what I tell all the guys I disciple you need to do your relationship as though you're going to teach on it because guess what you will because you're going to have kids someday and you're not going to want to say to them hey do as I say don't do as I do your mom and I blew it right and they're going to what are they going to do no no do your relationship so you can teach your kids so you can teach the people you're mentoring so you can teach your community We need good models of relationship, and that comes when you have a model. So find a mentor. That's why we do our marriage day. Every year we do a marriage day. I want to encourage you couples, be at it. I want to encourage you engaged couples, be at it. That's why we have LAM, our love after marriage program that happens on Sunday nights at the church office with all these different couples. Why? Because they know. We need a mentor. I love sticking my head in there this past week and seeing some of my friends that are my age sitting with younger couples, mentoring them. We have wonderful older couples that they would love nothing more than to speak into your life, so go to them. If you don't have a mentor, it's not their problem, it's yours. We have a group of loving people that would love to mentor you. Just go find an older couple, and it starts with this. Hi, my name is Robert. I need help, right? And they'd love to help you. Now watch this, I love what Naomi says to Ruth. This is awesome. Verse three, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. She's like, Boaz don't like no stinky woman. (laughs) Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. Here's my next point, I'm coming towards the end Present yourself beautifully or handsomely. Present yourself beautifully or handsomely. Now, don't start judging me and saying, oh, but pastor, it's not about the outside beauty. I know that, right? The Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. I totally agree, but it's so nice when the woman smells good and not like B.O., right? (laughs) So Naomi was smart. She understands men are visual, right? That's how God made us. Don't blame us, women, God made us visual. And so Naomi is telling Ruth, go, wash up, put some perfume on, get some nice clothes on, and then go and, and, and be around him. You know, I, I, here, here's a, a, an interesting thing. Um, I was so blessed. So when, when we were in the training school, Steph would wear jeans and, and a t-shirt every day. And, and, but I loved it when we started dating because all of a sudden she started getting all beautified. She's, i mean, there was there was like three times the amount of perfume on her, and and all of a sudden she changed. She changed those just jeans and frumpy t-shirts to to—it's okay because listen to these beautiful little sundresses, and my heart just started going pitter patter, pitter patter, pitter patter, patter, right? She knew the the weight of my heart because right I, I knew oh she must value me because she's actually dressing up for me. Now, now men do the same thing, you're, you're a woman, when you go to pick her up on a date, don't come straight from football practice, right? You got the yellow stains on your heart. That's not the way to win a woman's heart. We feel honored when someone has taken time to prepare for us, so do that, right? Put in the breath, man. please. Um, not you, sweetheart. Your breath always smells like roses. <laughs> Here, here's another thing. Women, so so you say, okay, what do I do as a woman? Right? You, you know, because this we we believe scripturally that men are the initiators. Men, men should be proactive. We teach men in this church not to be passive. So, so, women sometimes say, So, what do I do? I want to get married, but, but no one's doing anything. I, I love what Naomi says. She says, Then go down to the threshing floor. Th- go down to the threshing floor. What is that saying? She's saying, Go where the man is. Yeah. Women, here's what I see sometimes women are like, Man, I, I, I want to have a date, but they see a man, they're like, and they run away. Right? <laughs> You're like, you see the, Oh, yes, him, and then you run away. But you're like, I hope he asks me out. He can't ask you out. Men are not as sophisticated as you, women. Like men, right, they notice what's in front of them. They're like, food, football, right? And and we just go, we, so women, if you're interested in a man, go where the man is. Get yourself all, put on a lot of that perfume so he's going to notice you're there, Right? Put on, put on your nice clothes and go, go stand on the football, on the sidelines of the football and cheer, oh, good job, right? Then you're there, right? I'm not saying manipulate the situation, but I'm saying put yourself in the situations. It's biblical, right? Go down there. Be there so he can see you. And then you let him initiate with you. And, and listen, okay, if a guy asks you out, girls, be clear. It's either, yes, I'd be honored. Or if you don't want to go, don't be confusing. Yeah. Just, just, right? Right, guys, we'd be so blessed, right? Just say, oh, I'm so honored. You're a great guy. No, thank you. <laughs> That's all you have to say, right? You don't have to, don't, don't draw them out. You also don't have to diss them. Just say, I am so honored. Because my goal as a pastor is there'd be a lot more guys asking girls out in this house. But what that means, girls, is you got to be clear with us. I mean, not us. I'll take myself out of it. I'm taken. But you got to be clear with the homeboys in this room, right? And you gotta, you gotta. Honor them, right? I love it. Some, some of you women do this so well in this church. You, someone's asked you out and you go, oh, I am so honored that you would do that, but I, no thank you, I'm not interested. That is okay, right? Better to, to end it and be clear than to drag his little heart out forever, leaving little, little crumbs. You know, let me think, let, let me think about it, right? Let me pray and fast about it for 40 days, <laughs> right? Oh, no, don't, no, and don't blame God, right? Right? Don't blame God. Oh, I really, I had a girl do this to me. I really like you. I would love to be with you, but God told me no. (laughs) That is very confusing. Okay. That wasn't Steph, by the way. All right, last point, last point. We helping anyone here today? Anyone getting help by the word of God? Okay. Married people, you can apply this to. Watch this, this is amazing. Relationships done rightly, blessed generations. Relationships done rightly, blessed generations. I love this in chapter four. We've already made it through four chapters of the book of Ruth. And I encourage you to go deeper yourself. Go and these scriptures I've highlighted, read this book, especially if you're wanting a godly relationship. Study it yourself. I've flown through, but study it yourself. It's just packed with these Wonderful nuggets of of truth. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord. For this day has not left you without a a guardian redeemer, a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life And sustain you in your old age. For your daughter in law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. Listen to this. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. You know, when a relationship is done right, it doesn't just bless you. So many times in our American culture, we think one generation. We just think, what am I going to get? What am I going to, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to fill out my, fulfill my destiny? You know, God thinks generationally. God thinks generationally. And the power of having a biblical God-honoring dating and courtship and, and marriage that Ruth And Boaz had is it blessed the successive generations, right? But it also blessed the previous generations. So let me unpack this for you. Naomi, her life was broken. But through this relationship, she was blessed. Men and women, date in such a way that it will bless your parents. And it will bless the older generation. Now, I've seen this With my parents. My parents gave their lives to Jesus. They've been very serious about their faith. There is lots of brokenness and divorce in both of their families, but now they are the leaders. Both of them are the leaders of their families. Why? Because they've sought the Lord, and God has given them stability and He's given them prosperity emotionally physically, relationally, financially. When we honor God, God blesses us. He lets us prosper in innumerable ways. And so what I watched is my mom's parents and my dad's parents looked to them for leadership. I saw them look to them to draw the families together. I saw them receive such honor from them You know, a relationship done rightly blesses the previous generation. But then a relationship done rightly sets in motion a cascading effect, a blessing for the successive generations, for the next generations. What happens? Ruth, who's a broken Moabite, a woman who lived in a famine, a woman who had lost her husband because she did things right under the favor and blessing of God. God chooses her to be the one who brings forth the line of David, the greatest king in all of Israel. But not just that. If you have studied the Bible, you know that in the line of David, comes Jesus. And that's the main point that I want to make to finish this morning is that when we do relationships right, we bring Jesus into the next generations. You're called in your relationship not to just have a sweet romance. You're called to usher in Jesus into your world. And when Naomi mentored Ruth in such a way that Ruth took on biblical principles, Ruth and Boaz could have a godly relationship, and they brought in the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's the power of relationships. There's few things that have more power to usher in the kingdom of God than a godly relationship. And that's what we want to be about as this church. Why don't you stand up?